Hiya. Welcome back to Miss Adventurous with me, Tiffany Rouge. This is the place you can turn when you need some positive reinforcement that you're doing okay with your life, or maybe even a little bit better than okay. I do that by showing you examples of my life as a millennial trying to carve out my place in the world and getting real about things that I experience, but also by talking to people and sharing stories of lessons learned that are designed to help you figure your own thing out. This week is a great example of the power of positivity and connection. I have a chat with Dr. Maria Zushman. She is a female powerhouse who is a wellness expert. She's a practicing chiropractor who's built her business from the ground up, a motivational speaker who's built a community of like-minded souls in the Illawarra. She speaks at multiple events, helping people find their own wellness, and she hosts not one but two podcasts one in which she teaches how to be the queen of your stress and to manage day-to-day living and the stresses that come with it. And the other one, she co-hosts a momentum-based podcast designed to help you get the momentum you need to make the change in your life. Both are really cool and I suggest you go and listen. I'll put links to them in the show notes. Now, I met Dr. Maria at an event called the Wellness Boot Camp in Wollongong and I just interviewed one of the organizers for my radio show. He suggested that I connect with Dr. Maria because she was local to the Wollongong region and I was looking for someone that I could meet with face to face a lot. And since then, we've been catching up for coffees and having really stimulating chats about life, the future and everything in between. I like to think she's taken me under her wing a little bit because she's helped me come up with a lot of stuff for the podcast. And it was with her that I was able to put some of my thoughts into words about getting the whole Misadventurous podcast up and running. And I think it's really important to have these connections, especially when you're starting out and, you know, looking to build new things. You know, the the people around you are the ones that are going to help you. And, you know, it's really important to have a support network. I think it's really cool to have someone like her in my life, but it's also really important to me that I'm providing value. Like it's an exchange. I've always seen development as a bit of an exchange and Often in the past, I've exchanged my time for skills. You know, I I did a few internships when I lived in the UK where I'd work for free just to get the radio skills that I wanted in a radio job. And after about 10 years in the industry, I understand that now I'm at a point where I can share my skills and experiences in exchange for other skills and advice. And I feel like that's what I'm doing with Dr. Maria. So while I'm just starting to provide value to you, hopefully, and to Dr. Maria, I wanted to share just how inspirational this woman is. What is the greatest lesson that you've learned from your mum? Ooh, that's biggie. Mm. It's particularly big at the moment because of where she's in her current health state. I think one of the biggest lessons that my mum's taught me is to always have a generous heart. And there's been times where I've probably got that a little muddled because I think you can have a generous heart and still be very strong and right. stand up for yourself. I, I would think that's the biggest lesson from mum. And also, it's cool to be a pioneer. Like, my mum was a pioneer back in the day. So she's 81 now um, when we're recording this. Um, she had a mortgage back in the day where it just was unheard of for a single woman, let alone a single very Asian looking woman Mm -hmm. to actually have been, uh, to have been approved for a mortgage. It was unheard of 60 odd years, nearly 60 years ago, probably more like 55 years ago, but unheard of. And, you know, she was a head teacher well before she was, should have been and all those sorts of things. So I think it's probably part of why in terms of lessons learnt 
from watching and hearing about her examples is that I feel really passionate about leading the way in other areas. I suppose it's probably where my passion for teaching has actually come from because my mum was a teacher and she very much is somebody that still teaches with her wisdom today. So I suppose I'm inspired by that as well. So probably only in recent times where I admit how right she's always been. (laughs) (laughs) I probably probably don't tell her that quite often enough, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> She's a wise old soul, and uh, I suppose it's one of those things where if they say it's inevitable that you become your mother, I don't mind. Oh, like, good. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know some people are like, oh, I will never become my mother. And I, I kind of look at it and go, well, if that's who I turn out to be, mm-hmm. or even a percentage of that, then I think that will be pretty cool. And I know I'll have left a legacy if I only do half as much as what my mum does, because she gives back so much. There's lessons there in terms of having a generous heart, the the joy and satisfaction there is when you, you make have an impact on other people's lives. Mm. Yeah, I think that's been a big driving force. In and I guess everything that I've done in my probably even in childhood, but particularly in my adult life. And is that because you saw your mum doing that, and I guess you saw the effects of how that played out? Or yeah, I think so. I think initially, now with a little bit more maturity, Tiff, is that I I can consciously see it, and probably within some of my own evolution, I notice that now. Probably in my early twenties, and as I graduated and and started my hands-on work, is that. I was probably doing it innately through having watched her example. So I was kind of programmed in, whereas it's probably in my mid to late 30s that I was like, hang on, why is this happening? Hang on a second. (laughs) And then then really being conscious about it. And the more conscious I become about uh, my behavior, my actions, how I design my life is the more impact I feel I'm having, particularly in the last couple of years where I think that's been quite exponential. Um, And I see the reach of what I'm doing increasing really quickly, which which is very cool. The having people coming and giving us feedback for what we're doing. And sometimes I'll say things very off the cuff that I don't even realise has landed with somebody and they'll come back and they'll go, you said something that night. I go, what did I say? Because I've probably <laughs> forgotten. And they said, you said blah, 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 blah. And I went, oh, wow. And I said, what did, impact did that have? Changed my whole life because of it. I'm wow. like, wow, really? Like there's a beautiful young lady that I look after in the practice and, and I've known her for quite a few years and, you know, she – Change careers because she happened to be working on one of the nights that we were doing one of our live events. And she had, she happened to be on quite a few of our live events. And it was sort of the second or third one that she'd been working at uh, because the establishment that we were holding said workshop at, right. she was on that night. So she'd asked to be in the room that we were in. Yeah. And, um, and I had no idea that's why she changed careers until only very recently where she said, that's being in your workshop is what inspired me to actually make a change. I went, really? Like, okay, cool. That's so awesome because that's like um, not the intent of why I do the things I do. I hope to deliver value and I hope to give people the tools that they can make the change that they need to make, whatever that is, because we're all at different stages, right? So it's about enabling people to have the right tools to make change because Mm -hmm. I think that's what I see a lot um, in what I do is that people don't have the next right step. They get bombarded with all this information. Um, and helping people being able to digest some of that and simplify it is is really powerful. Yeah. And, uh, like, you've essentially answered my second question. There you go. Sorry, Tiff, you didn't show me. <laughs> see, if you're listening back to this, you can see she did not show me these questions. <laughs> no. That's why I was stuck for words earlier when she asked me if I'd had time to prep, Tiff. <laughs> Do you know what? It would have been probably really stagnant and boring. No, but I love that. And, and I think that it really just shows how 
everything all plays into each other with you and and how the roots of it is you know your mum and the lessons that she's taught you and here you are doing your own thing with them but it's interesting to see that like where that's come from yeah for a lot of people that I've spoken to and that I've been interacting with I cannot speak for everyone um good point (laughs) yep (laughs) I might try to on the odd occasion but it's actually not that healthy to try and do that too often um is that that's very common is we we take on the traits of our family members unless we're conscious to change them if we want to or if we're conscious we actually like them is then to be able to lean into those further to make them stronger and better strengths Mm -hmm. which is very cool and I suppose that's where um, with some of the stuff that I do with Pauline Nguyen is that from the spiritual entrepreneur side of things is that it becomes seamless across life yeah so when you said all the different things I do feed into each other, absolutely they do, and that's on purpose because it means everything that I do project-wise is fun to me and it feels inspiring to me. People, I don't have to drag my butt out of bed to do them because it's like all of the stuff that I choose to do, hopefully, and the intent is it makes a difference in people's lives, um, which is, I think, kind of cool. And it, that, as I said, it inspires me. It gets me up in the morning without having to have a bomb under my butt to get me going. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And And I guess... In a way, like it's awesome that you are doing what you love and it's you're getting that fulfillment from it. It's a, a conversation that I sometimes struggle with people because they'll say, you know, ask them how their day was. And, yeah, I worked. I went, oh, okay. And I say, oh, well, and they'll say, how was your day? Oh, you mustn't have had a good day because you're at work. I went, no, I actually really enjoy what I do. Mm. Like, does it always go perfectly? God, no. <laughs> but, you know, that's being unrealistic. But do I do I love what I do? Absolutely. And, you know, is every interaction I have with human beings, particularly, say, in my practice, is it always brilliant? No. Mm-hmm. You know, people are in poopy moods or whatever. Um, but overall, is my days are pretty freaking cool. And I, I think it's really sad when people are stuck doing stuff that they don't enjoy. I understand that sometimes it's a necessity. My hope for people is that they only need to be in it for a period of time till they can figure out what they really enjoy doing. Because even if it's a job that other people might look at and go, oh God, I don't really understand how you can enjoy that. So a lot of people doing a job that you might look at or I might look at or we look at each other's jobs going, oh, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Um, but to us, freaking amazing. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's the value that we put on it in Absolutely. our lives and stuff. Absolutely. So let's talk about what it was like in your 20s. Ooh, it's a while ago. How long? <laughs> uh, not too long, I think. It's a couple of decades ago. How, <laughs> how early? Hang on, are we breaking this up into different sections or are we, are we <laughs> like, is this the whole decade, Tiff? Or? Just some parts where you were at, say, my age. So 27, what were you Ooh. doing? 27, I was in my fourth year at uni. So I was in my first year of my master's degree at Macquarie University. So at that point, uh, I was still living at home with my mum. My dad had passed away when I was 23. So I stayed uh, with mum until I graduated. Um, And this is in Sydney? This is in Sydney. So I stayed in our family home through uni, which was a blessing because it meant that I had probably more disposable income back then than Mm -hmm. what I probably do now, Tiff. Um, No, not quite. (laughs) But it it was – I had had an awesome environment where um, for a period of time I got to study and – fourth year and my master's degree was interesting. It was a challenge because the workload was huge, mm-hmm. uh, but also a great time because pretty sure I thought I knew everything. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> thought I knew everything. Uh, in reflection, 
I knew very little. Uh, <laughs> as I get older, I realise how little I actually know mm. um, and how much more learning there is to do. Uh, I had a great group of friends, um, most, and a lot of them are still my friends today, which I feel very blessed about, uh, in touch with um, my great uni friends. I was actually chatting to one of my, my great mates, my best mate from uni this morning. He's over in Fremantle. Um, so we've been friends for how many years now? 17 years? Wow. And um, you still keep in contact. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess it's an indication of true friendship when you can pick up the phone. It can be a week. It can be a month. It can be, well, I don't think we've ever gone a year without speaking. But you get the, the gist is we can might go a year without seeing each other yep. because of distance. Um, but we just pick up where we've left off. Yeah, nice. And uh, and same with school friends. So I'm still in touch with a lot of my schoolmates. Um, I don't get to see them as often as what I used to when I lived in Sydney. And there's my majority are still in Sydney. So... Um, these days, I probably get a little bit more naughty blinkers coming back down the big road to, to the Illawarra. So, yeah, um, yeah so it was awesome. I, I mean, I loved being at uni. It was mm. a great time. I had very little stress yeah. <laughs> at that point. Um, you know, my greatest stress was when was my next assignment due? Yeah. Yeah. And did you have a uh, idea of, you know, were you wanting to sort of open a practice? Like what mm. was on your five-year plan at 27? Oh, um, and the irony of that is I can remember having dinner with three of my very good uni friends from when I first started at uni. So when I started uni straight from school, I probably should have had a year off. So first year, I really just shouldn't have been there. <laughs> Second year, I majored in first year. And then I actually had two years off before then I went back to uni to actually do it properly. And I was with dinner with um, three of my mates from the first time around. Um, and probably around that time, actually, around that sort of 27 mark. And of the th- of the four of us, one of my mates turned to me and she said, I bet you have a five-year plan. I went, no, I actually have a 10-year plan. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. and, um And so back then, it was a bit different to what it was now. It certainly didn't include things like podcasts and being keynote speaker and things like that. Uh, but it definitely included practice. Uh, it definitely included, you know, the, a property portfolio, which hasn't quite worked out as according to plan. But it, it was very, it was very structured. Okay. Um, and and yeah, so absolutely. In in the five year plan, it was to get a great associate position, which is how I ended up down here. Actually, I I, I went for a position and got it in Wollongong. Um, and then ended up staying down here ever since. So um, having a, uh, I had a very specific idea about the sort of position I wanted uh, when I came down at that point, and I still am to an extent, but I probably set my goals up a little bit differently now. Back then I had like a dot point A4 page of like 30 points that I wanted in my first position. And the irony was, I think, I'm not sure if I told you this story, but I wrote that at the start. Did I write that at the start of fourth year or the start of fifth year? I wrote a very detailed list to what sort of clientele I wanted the practice to have, what I wanted it to look like, um, you know, how people within the practice understood what chiropractic care was, all those sorts of things. Like it literally was dot point. Yeah. The first point said inner city as in I-N-N-E-R. Right. And in my mind when I wrote that, I meant inner city of Sydney. Like, okay. Because at that point when I was writing it, I was actually going for a job in Leichhardt. Oh. As in, in right in the inner city, inner west of Sydney. And uh, the irony was that job fell through at the last minute. That's how I ended up going for the job down here. Um, about three months into my new position, I actually found that sheet. And I went, oh, that's funny. And I literally read every single part of it and it literally ticked every single box, even the inner city, because I was inner city Wollongong. Wow. Like, it was it was crazy. And that's happened a few times. Mm-hmm. You've got to be careful what you write down sometimes because you be very specific <laughs> as to what you want that to look like. Because it's happened a few times in my life where I've gone, you know, you've written something or visioned something and then whether it's a manifestation or whether it is like literally it, it's, you know, just 
kismet, whether it's serendipity, whatever it is, for that to actually come through and you actually read through and you go, far out, like that's yep. crazy. Yeah, same thing happened to me um, when I uh, was thinking, like going through this whole um, <clears throat> re-understanding of where I wanted to be in radio and I decided, so I forever had this dream to be on Triple J Yeah, and um I was living in the UK, had made connections with Zan Rowe at Triple J yep. and had you know plans to, to meet her and to move to Sydney when I moved back from the UK. And I got here and things didn't work out and I was very in two minds about whether or not I still wanted to do radio. And I... Um, I just sat down and I thought, okay, hang on. I've been way too specific my whole life, which is just Triple J, and I wouldn't settle for anything less. Yeah. And I ended up at the BBC uh, doing some really cool things in the UK, but I didn't appreciate them because they weren't at yeah. Triple J. So I sat down and I really thought about what it is I wanted in life. So not just you know a career, a job, because I'd, I'd never sort of worked in Australia and radio before. And it was um, a, a good group of friends living in a capital city and um, having uh, the job in radio to support the lifestyle like I have what I have in Adelaide. Yep. And um, I wrote it down one day and I was packing up my life in Darwin and I realized that I had all that like I was like tick 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 hang on a second I've been living this life that I have intended and wanted for so long and all I did was just write it down and think oh that would be nice and just be broad about certain details and I never thought that I would end up in Darwin but I did and I loved it and definitely never thought I'd end up in Wollongong, but here I am, you know? What, it wasn't your dream destination when you were writing down this? Come on now, Tiff. It's not that bad down here. No, it's great. No, it's awesome down here. Uh, look, I think exactly right. Uh, I think when we're, when we're designing our life, well, it either can be designed because you actually are conscious of it or it happens by default. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people go, I don't know how I ended up here. It's because you had no actual input in it. That's yeah. why. That's mm-hmm. how you end up where you don't understand where you've where you've arrived to. Um, now, in saying that, sometimes when I've designed things, I've ended up where I wanted to be, but the surrounding elements are looking quite different. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you know, there might have been certain people that I just always expected to be on a certain ride, and then you get to a point and you're like, yeah, actually, that's that's been for the season reason or, you know, forever sort of thing. Um, and it's it's really interesting because sometimes – I've found when I've been setting myself goals or setting myself outcomes that I want to achieve is at the end I might get there, but it's been way more painful than what I wanted it to be to yeah. get there. It's bloody not been a smooth ride. Mm-hmm. Um, other times I get to places very quickly and I go, wow, that was easy. Yeah. Like how the hell did that just happen? Like what just – how do I bottle that and do that again? Yeah. Um, and, I, again, I think the more conscious we can be of how we, how we actually – what's the right word? proceeded through the journey if you like then you can actually replicate that yeah does that make sense in the, in a way that you you kind of you i guess you're self-aware of exactly. what you're doing when you're doing it yeah because that whole thing you know it's not about the destination it's about the journey and what you learn from it yeah so like 100 percent, i agree yeah you know? and it's one of those things and look my my brother said it to you in his speech at my first wedding um which 
well, back then it wasn't same-sex marriage at that point wasn't legal, so it was a ceremony. Okay. Um, and my brother in his speech, God love his cotton socks, I was actually watching him give the speech at my first wedding going, um, I think this is meant to be nice, but okay, let's keep going. Um, but one of, no, he was, he was, but he was, he was speaking the truth, which was if back then and even now, there's certain things I'm very good at learning very quickly and there's other things that I'm a, just a bit of a slow learn for. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the point he said something along the lines of, if there's a hard way of doing it, Maria will find it. <laughs> uh, I like I like to think that these days I I tend to look for the easier way. Yeah. Um, I I think part of my programming, if you like, from when I was little, was I probably was set up to find the hard way. Mm. Sometimes, like mm-hmm. you know, my it was it was language that was used to me by my dad from a very early age, and not because he meant to make it harder, but uh, for example, my brother's pretty much got a photographic memory. God, Damn. Like, yeah, I oh, know nice. it's cool. Like you, he can reel numbers off left, right and centre. It's quite impressive. Um, what it meant growing up as a younger sister and sibling to him, I like to think I have an okay intellect, but am I as, if I was doing an IQ test, would I have the same IQ as my brother? Probably not. Mm. Um, so my my expectation for my parents was that well, it was always that if I wanted to go to uni, I'd be going to uni. And I can remember the language my dad would use as we were going off to watch soccer um, on a Saturday afternoon, his mm-hmm. soccer team that he'd follow. And he'd go, you know, you can always do whatever you want to do. You're just going to have to work harder than your brother. Wow. That was his language. Like, if you want to do it, you're just going to have to put in a bit more effort. But you can do whatever you put your mind to. Um, and what's interesting is probably what I took a hold of as a kid, I'm just going to have to work harder. Yeah. Versus I can do whatever I put my mind to. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So it took yeah. me a while um, to to hear that message clearly, mm-hmm. um, so that I make, made a change as far as that was concerned. As I said, I'm not certainly not perfect at it. Sometimes I, I look back at things, and go, "Yeah, you probably could have found an easier way to get that done." <laughs> um, well, I'm a firm believer that when you, um, like for me especially, if I haven't had to work hard for something, I don't appreciate it. See, that's an interesting frame to have. Yeah, I, I, my suggestion to you would change that up because why does it have to be hard? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I think these days, um, maybe in terms of like, maybe not working hard, but like struggle, right? Like if I've had to struggle through something, Mm. um, I know having been through it, I guess, and maybe that's just who I am in my life. Um, having had these opportunities at the BBC and at XFM and they came onto me, like Mm. uh, they were just on a random whim. I used, um, my, like, I just went up to people and started talking to them and I got all these awesome opportunities and I didn't take them in and I didn't Mm. actually utilize them like I should have because I wasn't, you know, to me, I feel like they came easy. Yeah. And now that I'm working hard to get where I am now with the podcast and with in radio and everything like that, I've had to work damn hard and I appreciate every single moment of it. But do you not see how through those, um, my suggestion to you Mm. is through the, the opportunities that, you feel got handed to you, which I think is probably doing yourself a disservice because you obviously wowed some people that they went, this chick's got potential. Mm. So in saying that, well, it came easy and I kind of just winged it and I got it, I would imagine that there was probably somebody quite wise who went, she's got something, like she's got an X factor or she's got Mm. a great voice or whatever they needed for that particular moment. So you might have actually been fulfilling somebody else's need at that time. Um, but the other part of that is if you hadn't have done those things, would the opportunities that you have now have been presented to you? True. Yeah, I don't, probably not, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, uh, I think it's an interesting one. Like some people really do. And I look, I, I used to do it. 
unconsciously was set myself up for struggle. I always used to set myself up that I'd be second place. Mm. It was a real, it was a real moment, and I used to try and fit in. And I really have, I've just owned it now. As I said, I'm a slow learner about some things. Is that I was never designed to fit into a cookie cardboard cutout like all the other kids that were local to me growing up, or even now being down the south coast. Um, is that you know the more that I own who I am. It just makes things easier. And for me, ease and grace is something that I think is really important, is that to be humble, to have an ease in my life, um, it makes it more peaceful and more joyful mm-hmm. versus, I mean, you even say the word struggle and I actually cringe because I'm like, <laughs> that sounds painful. <laughs> Why would I want it to be painful? Yeah, like right. if you got if you got handed two roads you could go down and one was one that everything just came to you with ease mm-hmm. and it was heading you in the right direction or one you had to jump over landmines to get to the same outcome, which one would you want? I, I, I feel like I would definitely want to choose the easy one. Yeah. But I think being... 27 and recognizing that uh, I think everything's telling me right now, all the media that I consume is like, you're 27. You need to be working hard so that your life can be a little bit easier later, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think I, I'm of the adage that if you can work smarter, not harder, mm. it is, it is A, it's more fun. <laughs> um, B is, who are you trying to prove to? Do you know what I mean? Like, there. look, when and I'm saying that when I first graduated from uni and I was working as an associate in the practice, which I effectively was helping to run, um, is, you know, I was working 60, 70 hours a week. Mm. It was stupid. It's yeah. part of why my first marriage broke down is that we were we were working way too much. It was to the point we were grunting at each other at various points. Wow. And at that point, you know, were we having financial reward for it? Sure. Um, did we do very wise things with it? No. Um, <laughs> but so we weren't even really seeing the rewards of that hard work. And it even make you can probably see it. You can't see it listening back, but Tiff can see it. Is that it's making me cringe. <laughs> um, and at the time, I thought I was doing the right thing. Um, on our Momentum Architects podcast, we actually did a, a whole thing about work ethic and what we what we define it as mm-hmm. and where we got that definition from. So, for example, my work ethic came from or what I used to think was amazing was my father's work ethic, where he worked seven days a week. He was a Hungarian refugee. Um, my dad would have been in his 90s now if he was still alive. Um, he worked his ass off to send my brother and I to some of the best private schools in Sydney so we could have what he didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that was amazing because he was doing that all for us. Like it was very much my dad's drive was us. And um, the thing about it was made him sick. And he was dead by the time he was 75. So it's that that sort of trade-off of, well, yeah, it was amazing and it it achieved a certain goal, but I didn't get to spend much time with my dad. I didn't get to spend time with him as an adult. Like I'd love to be able to – my dad was a great businessman. Mm. I'd love to be able to run questions past him or, you know, know, just even cash flow questions and things like that now, but it's it's not possible. Does that make sense? So – I guess it's a choice we can all make. And again, you said in terms of what I'm bombarded with in in all the media that you're watching. And I think the, for me, that need to hustle or grind it out Mm. or to do whatever is if, yeah, sure, if you love it and you're inspired by something, then I actually don't think it should be a struggle. Like I look at the work that I do and I don't actually think I do that much. Mm. And then people go, what are you up to at the moment? I go, oh, so I've got the practice and I've got the podcast and then we run the retreat and then we've got this, this and this going on. And they go, and you don't think you're doing very much? I'm like, well, no, because because I love doing it, it actually makes me sit in a space of expansiveness. You have to be careful not to then go into explosiveness, but it's <laughs> it's so expansive is that I don't find it a struggle. Are there times I'm 
busy and I might get tired and I need to just check out for a minute to check back in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I don't see it as being a struggle. Because yeah. to me, struggle is not sustainable. Do you know what, though? Like, my last thing, right? What advice would you give to your 27 year old self? You've answered it. <laughs> yeah. Every single thing that I've put down to write to speak See, to you it about. Comes with being an you, old wise human. No, I'm just kidding. I've, still just got, <laughs> I've got so much more to learn. And as I said to you earlier, no, if it was one last thought um, to my 27 year old self, is mm. that always stay a learner, is that always start with a beginner's mind because uh, the times that I've thought I've known stuff oh, reality comes and smacks me on the ass or the face. Let me tell you that for free. <laughs> so the moment you think you're just getting into that smooth sailing is, um, is and I guess it's becoming complacent with things where you think you know what's going on, is, uh, is just remain in that state of a beginner's mind. And exactly that is struggle's not sustainable. So why put yourself in that position? And keep having fun with what you're doing. Because if it gets too freaking serious, that ain't fun and that's not sustainable either. And in your dad's case, it's what killed him. So you've got to enjoy your life while you're Absolutely. hustling and grinding. Yeah. Or enjoying and succeeding. Yes. Maybe. And again, I'm very conscious these days of the language that we're using. Mm-hmm. So if it's always a grind and a hustle, that's exactly what it's going to be for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas what if it could be fun, successful and easy? Such inspirational words and really a very, very wise question to post at the end of that. If you live in the Wollongong region and you want to check out Dr. Maria's practice, there's a whole bunch of links in the show notes, but you can always follow her on Instagram. She's at Dr. Maria Z or the Queen of Stress on Instagram. Or you can follow her on Facebook. She has a really great group called Your Inner Edge with Dr. M, where she's very active and great for keeping you in check with mindfulness and positivity. So you should definitely go and join that group. And if you've learned anything from this episode, I'd love it if you shared it with a friend. I have these chats to help you live a more enriched and fulfilled life. And if you take anything away from it, it would be really cool if you help someone else take something from it too. So please, if you could just tell one person about this podcast, if you're feeling it and if you're really loving it, you can always leave me a review on iTunes or on Podchaser for you Android listening folk. Okay, till next week. See ya. 